right, so uh, who was here last week? Who didn't want to come back because it was so hot last week? So I got, I got a joke for you. So I, I hear Eric brought the heat. See, I needed the drummer just so it didn't come across so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. If you're new, welcome to Element. That's about how the jokes go around here. Uh, if you uh, don't own a Bible and you need one, there are Bibles in the back. You can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. Also, if you have a smartphone, you can get this app. It's called Uversion. And in that application, there's a thing that says Live. You click on Live, it'll bring up Element. You'll have the notes from this morning on there as well as all the verses. If you like a hard copy, they're on all the community tables around the room. You can grab one of those as well. Uh, the one thing I just want to reinforce what came out of announcements this morning is cookies. No. Is the uh, the newcomer party. If you are newer to Element or been here for a while, feel like you haven't connected that well, we would invite all of you to come to our newcomer party. Part of that is to introduce you to other people, but also introduce you to us so you feel like you connect a little better. You can ask a bunch of questions that you may have or not ask any and just eat all the desserts, which is always a bonus as well. So either either one, you guys... Good. Sign up for it. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. We don't put you on the spot or anything. If you're really nice, uh, maybe I'll even let you eat some of my cookies. Why don't you guys stand up and read into God's Word? This is Psalm 139, verse 13, and it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Let's pray. Father, this morning we, as your people, ask that you would teach us, that your spirit would lead us to the place that we need to be this morning to understand that you made us a certain way, and in that way we glorify and honor you. We ask that you would take us and change us and remake us into the new creations that you call us to be. Amen. Have a seat. So we are doing a brand new series. Uh, we have taken down the Esther decorations. If you're new, the room doesn't look any different because you think this is how it always looks. But if you were here any time during Esther, it's like not as colorful we have black curtains up. We're all goth now. <laughs> or not. The, the room feels a little sparse. When we, we hit Christmas, it'll, the room will be great. It'll be, it'll be awesome. Uh, and I, when we came into this, I, I didn't even really know how to tell you what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. I kept flipping all over the place what to even call the series. And, and really, it's more of a, of a topical thing. I'm not really doing a book of the Bible. If you've been here since we started Element, I usually do books of the Bible. If I even do a topical series, I usually take sections out of Scripture and we walk through those sections of Scripture. But the series we're going to do doesn't really work like that. Uh, I had a completely different series already written for what we were going to do after Esther. I was going to call it the people of hope. I realize there's a lot of despair in the world right now. People are unsure about where things are going. There's a lot of monetary issues. And I wanted to show you through the Scriptures how various people thought everything was lost and though they had it way worse than we did, they still had hope and kept enduring because their abiding hope was in Christ. Uh, you may even get that series next year because it was pretty good, if I do say so myself. <laughs> but uh, I, something else kind of caught my attention after that. I have some friends that I meet with, a couple people that I counsel with, and I love and care deeply for them, and, but they have some major issues and struggles in their life. I don't know if you ever have a major struggle issue in your life or not. Well, you all do. Don't claim you don't. And these questions really came down to how they perceive themselves to be made by God or why God would allow something to come into their life that was the hardest thing in the world for them to deal with. Anyone ever have questions or thoughts like that? Why would God allow me to go through something like this? Or why did he make me the way that I am? 
you know, why do we struggle with this? Why doesn't God just take this away from my personality makeup so I don't have to deal with it anymore? Bueller, Fry, anyone? Okay. I, I noticed that I kept telling people when they came and talked to me about these thoughts that even when we don't understand, we still trust God because God made us and He knows what He's doing while many times we don't. And so people, they look and they nod their head and they say, yes, I understand that, but I just don't know why I feel this way. In Psalm 139, verse 14, the verse right after the one I read to you first, uh, David goes on, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That sometimes we ask these questions deep inside. You know, if, I, if God wonderfully made me with the struggles I have, does God have a different definition of wonderful than I have? <laughs> You know, many times our struggles and temptations, they are not what we would deem as wonderful. Now, I wholeheartedly believe that God made us to be more than we can ever dream. Ephesians 5.1, though, calls us to be imitators of God. But what if when you sit alone and your deepest thing inside of your heart is maybe you don't even understand God enough to even like Him? Maybe if you're like, well, what if I don't like Him? Why don't I be an imitator of that? So what is this series? This series is going to be an attempt to help you to understand God a little bit better, uh, to help you maybe understand how God made you to be and have you maybe have a little more hope and faith in, in who He is because of that, and that how you can be a totally bless, total blessing to the world because of how God made you. I want you to understand the you that God designed you to be. And now, don't get me wrong in this. This isn't all about you. This is about Jesus and His redemptive work in us but yet He calls us to be something different. He calls us to be His children. Now, some of you will hate this because we're going to deal a tiny bit of psychology, a little bit of introspection, but everything's going to be grounded in Scripture. You should trust me by now to know that I'm not some freak that jumps off the cliff of modernity. You're like, what does it even mean? Never mind. Whatever. Uh, everything comes back to Jesus. I believe everything comes back to Jesus. It is not about us. It is about Him and His life in us, but Jesus does make us unique. He makes us unique. And so this will be really good. I think the whole series, unless I totally Charlie Brown it, it'll be good. So do you ever have one of those days and, and you get up and everything seems to fire right? You're quick-witted. Uh, you're in the right mood. You think maybe even about Christ living in and through you and you begin to live missionally the way God calls us to. You love the world around you the way that God calls you to. And maybe these people come up and they say some things that you don't like about you and yet it just washes off because you're just in the right place, the right time, everything's firing just right. I believe that is how it truly is when we live life in the flow of God's Spirit in and through us. Open your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians 5, Paul gets to a point where he starts talking to the Galatians about the Spirit of God and what that looks like in us and what that looks like when we live that Spirit uh, in and through us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, this is a section that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What does the Spirit bring in our lives? Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then in verse 25 he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul is saying that this is how we live when, when we live with the Spirit of God in and through us and He empowers us. We are actually living a certain way with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. But that isn't typically how we actually live. We look at how we should live and how we do live and they're not the same. They don't add up. But hopefully, in, the, in our heads, we're thinking, I really do want to be that person God calls me to be. I want to live the life that He calls me to. I want to operate within the power and the Spirit of God. And I will tell you, most of us in this room, we're getting a little older. We're, you know, we'd all call most of us adults, getting past our prime. Don't have a whole lot of time left, so we're bigger figured out now. Before we, 
I think the three most important things in life are number one is Jesus. Jesus, the second thing is God's glory, and the two things actually go hand in hand. I think the third thing is who God wants us to become as his children, as his people. And becoming that person will never happen as long as your focus is you. No one becomes happy when their goal is happiness. God made you to flourish, to live in his spirit, but that flourishing will never take place as long as your focus is you because it is always tied to God's mission, which is a grander and more noble vision than you and I can have for our own lives. Our entire world needs people living in God's life because we are called to bring God's life to the world. People who flourish always bring blessing to other people around them. I went to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. If you're in Galatians, one book over. Galatians, Ephesians. It's like God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians. Okay. Well, let me put it this way. If, if you... Don't take this the wrong way, but I will tell you this. God is more concerned with you reaching your full potential than you could ever be. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are not your workmanship. You are God's workmanship. Your life is not your project. It is God's project. God thought you up. He knows what you're intended to be, and God has work for you to do. And the work that God has for you to do is not like the list your spouse gives you on the weekend. These are things that lead to your true self and true selflessness and true life, loving, being a blessing to the world around us. Growing in Christ, knowing God, is not just certain devotional activities that we do in our lives. It's not just reading the scriptures. Although you should read your Bible, that's a good thing to do. But seriously, up until 500 years ago, the printing press hadn't been invented. People didn't even have the scriptures at home that they could read. Could they not be spiritual people? We were created by God to receive life from outside ourselves. It's the Spirit of God living in and through us, living as His workmanship. This is the word flourish. Flourish. It, it means thriving. It's like, it's like when a plant is in the right climate with the right heat and, and the right amount of water, and it just goes gangbusters. It's thriving. Turn to, the, turn to the book of Psalms. You're like, you're not really going through a second scripture, but we're reading all over the place. Yes, we are. Psalm chapter 92. Psalm 92. If you open your Bible, it'll probably open right to Psalms because it's right in the middle. No, okay. Psalm 92, verse 12. This is what talks about the Hebrew word for flourish. Psalm chapter 92, verse 12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. The Hebrew word flourish is the word parach. Everybody say parach. Parach, yeah, clear out your throat, you're good to go. This, this means break out and fly, to break out and fly. I mean, this is what we all want. We want to be able to live in the life of God, to break out and to fly into who he calls us to be, right? We want to live that way. We all want it. But, but here comes the but. Yes, God will make you grow. Yes, he will change you. But you will always be you. You're like, oh, what? Yes, seriously, you'll always be you. This is just like a seed can grow into a beautiful tree that provides fruit or shade, or it can be a stunted hunk of bark. It's still a tree. You are still you, and God never made you to be anybody else but you. Even your temperament is pre-wired, your talents, your passions, your desires. He planned your body and your mind, and God never discards your raw material. The Apostle Paul, before he meets Jesus, he's a brilliant, crazy, passionate zealot, and he persecutes Christians. After he meets Jesus, he's a brilliant, crazy, passionate zealot, and he gives his life for other people. That's how it works. I recently read the story of a, of a lady. She's a CEO of a company now. Uh, but when she was a little girl, she would, told the story about riding around on her tricycle. And her parents go, okay, you can ride your tricycle anywhere you want in, in this area. You don't go past this tree and don't go past that driveway. If you do, you're going to get a spanking. 
So she just wills her, tries to go back up, gets off it, points at her butt, and she goes, well, you better spank me now because i got places to go. <laughs> it's like, you're grounded. No more tricycle. Now, what, what does it surprise you that she has insane drive and leadership abilities and she's the CEO of a company today? You are who you are. God doesn't make anything and then decide to throw it away. He creates. You know, his whole creation stumbles in the book of Genesis, and yet he comes in the person of Christ and redeems his entire creation. And that is where everything must start. You and I, he made us to be a certain way, and yes, we stumble, and yet he comes and rescues and redeems us. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. When you follow Christ, when you embrace who He made you to be, you don't just become holier. You become you. Ear. Ear. When, when Paul calls us new creations in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it doesn't mean completely different. It means made fresh. It is unprecedented. It is unheard of. All that you were meant to be, that God made you to be, you truly now can be because you're new. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God wants to redeem you. He doesn't want to exchange you for somebody else. If you are shy and you're waiting for God to change you into someone who speaks in front of crowds, good luck with that. Because we all know luck doesn't exist. And I know that because I play at the poker party and I lose all the time. If you are an extrovert you know, who always puts your foot in your mouth, do you wish you could like think before you speak? Yeah, you know, too bad. You cannot be whatever you want to be. You don't get to create you. You get to live as you. And you can live in harmony with God and yourself when you truly become who God made you to be. That is when you, your life is surrendered to Christ and He redeems and makes you new. There's a battle that rages inside of every single person between the person God makes us to be who can flourish and the person we all strive to be, the person we think we need to be. And we just languish around wondering why we never feel fulfilled. Because we're not living the life God calls us to live. So let me show you some use. Show you some use. Yeah, that works. Okay. I think there are different yous. There's, there's the you that you pretend to be. The you that you pretend to be. When your life is over, I don't think God's going to look at you and say, why weren't you a better Moses or a better David or Aaron or Esther or Mordecai? I think God's going to say, why weren't you you? If you are simply you, then you no longer need to convince people you're anything but you. You're just you. Have you ever met somebody who's always trying to make them sound, sound more important than they are? They're always name dropping where they, or places they've been. You usually walk away from a conversation like that really tired because you're trying to keep up and you're like, I don't even know what to say. But think about what if that's actually us and we don't even realize it? What if we're the ones that are always trying to name drop and try and be something different than we are? Try for a week, no matter who you're around, not to say anything that makes you sound important, smart, or accomplished. For some of us, that's a lot easier than others, right? <laughs> You know when you start to do that, you'll find you don't have a lot to say when everything doesn't start with I, I, I. We spend so much time trying to convince people we are more than we are. Pretending to be somebody else is really, really hard work. You know, they did a study. They found the two things people feel the most drained after are job interviews and first dates. You know why? Because it's not us. You're going, oh, I work hard. I'm so wonderful. You'd be lucky to have me as an employee. Oh, hey, baby, you'd be lucky to have me as like a boyfriend or something. No, if we're, I'd be like, throw me back because... You know, I haven't found anybody yet, and you know, just, just throw me back. I'm just not. not. If we were, if we were honest, it, this is why I have certain friends I love being around because I just get to be me. You know, it's nice to be around people sometimes. Don't have to. I don't pretend that I pray more than I do, or know more than I really do, or are more humble than I than I really am. I think God creates us to be a people without pretense, people who are genuine. And God is someone you never pretend in front of because God knows us deeply, who we are. I believe genuine brokenness before God pleases Him more than pretend spirituality. 
genuine brokenness. If you want to become you, you've got to be honest about who you are. Okay, the second you is the you you think you should be. It's like, oh, I just, I got to be that thing. If you, if you compare yourself to others, it will kill your growth. You will never go into who God calls you to be. If you are a mom, and you got three kids, and you hear someone who talks about how they get up at 5 a.m. every day to spend an hour with God, reading the Word and praying, you think that should be you? You're going to be depressed because you'll never be able to do it. Maybe that guy who gets up at 5 a.m. ought to do some dishes and wash some clothes. Maybe you taking care of your kids is a deeply spiritual activity. Maybe you just need to be you. Maybe there's an extrovert husband married to an introvert wife, and she starts to wish she could be more extroverted like her husband and talk to all these people. Yet inside, he's secretly wishing he could be more like her, so he would spend more time in prayer and not feel so weird when he's alone. We get this idea in our heads that we need to be something that's the exact opposite of who God made us to be. Henry Nouwen once wrote, he said, Spiritual greatness has nothing to do with being greater than others. It has everything to do with being as great as each one of us can be. That means after we've been redeemed and God makes us into who we're supposed to be. My wife is fiercely loyal to her friends. Uh, you, you don't cross her or someone she cares about or you're just done. You're, you're written off. Me, on the other hand, you could, you could cross me a hundred times. You could like totally hurt me. You'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, an hour later, you could like run me over in your car and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. You know, it's a hundred times you could do this to me. And sometimes I think, I wish I was more like my wife. But then I realize that I am who God made me to be. I, don't, I get frustrated trying to live some, uh, somebody else's life. God wants me to die to my false self and live who He calls me to be. He calls you to die to your false self and simply be who He calls you to be. There is the you that other people want you to be. Yeah, here's, here's the truth. In your life, everybody's going to want you to change. Everybody. Your boss wants you more productive. Your gym wants you more fit. ABC wants you to watch more TV. Restaurants want you to eat more food. Your dentist wants you to visit more often. At least my does, because he calls all the time and says, where you been? I'm like, oh, my teeth fell out. I don't have to come see you anymore. Yeah. Everyone has an agenda for you. And if you live your life trying to be what everybody else wants and not what God wants, you will never be free. You will be in bondage. Seeking to please everyone is a shallow way to live your life. Jesus even disappointed people who stood in the way of what God was doing. No one can truly tell you how to change and how to live except for God alone. You can't even tell you how to change. Again, because you didn't create you. Only Jesus can do this for you. He, he has no other agenda. He doesn't have some deep need inside of his soul that you can help him with. That's not Jesus. He does what he does because he loves you and he is good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everything that comes into your life is sifted through the hands of God. And God can take those things to create you into the person you are supposed to be. There's the you that you are afraid God wants you to be. Oh, if I really follow God, it's going to make me give up all of these things that I really love. And I'm going to live like a hermit and on the rocks. And it's going to be terrible. There's a recent Barna survey. And they showed the number one challenge to helping people grow spiritually is that most people equate spiritual maturity with following the rules. If you think God's sole goal for you is to produce role, rule followers, rule followers, then you don't know God. That is not who He is. Galatians 3.12 says, The law is not based on faith. Rule keeping. You know what it produces? Rule keepers. That's all it does. It creates emotion-controlling, self-righteous people. It doesn't make people who live by the Spirit. Open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 10. 
I know a guy uh, who was recently in boot camp, and he was telling me the story about how some people in boot camp got scuff marks on their walls. And so what they would do is they'd tear off the paint and the plaster off the wall because scuff marks, you can get in trouble for those, but if paint and plaster comes off the wall, well, that's a construction problem. That's not your problem. So following the rules actually caused the destruction of the barracks they were living in. Following the rules does not mean you are following Jesus. Morality does not bring Jesus, but Jesus will bring morality. By following Jesus, things in your life begin to change and make more sense. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus doesn't say, And I have come to give you a bunch of rules. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Full life is achieved by following Jesus. Not some drill sergeant that somebody made up to make you think was Jesus. It's made by following Jesus and who he calls you to be. There is the you that fails to be you. And my wife, she's a nurse. The more she learns, the more she likes to kind of diagnose people around me. I really think the light was just right. She could tell me how long she thinks you have to live. Don't look at me. Uh, and and nurse, I was reading this book, and they have this nursing term for infants who are unable to grow or gain weight, and they don't know why. They call it FTT. It's failure to thrive. Failure to thrive. It's one of those terms that sound like an explanation, but it really doesn't explain anything. You know, psychologists today are speaking of like the largest mental illness and health problem of our day. It's not depression. It's not anxiety on clinical levels. It's simply a languishing, a failure to thrive. And I think this is because everyone in our culture is told, oh, you're okay, you need more self-esteem. No, you don't. You got enough of that. Everything in your life is about you already. Stop thinking about you. When you think about you, you fail to thrive because you become your mission. You are to be on God's mission. When you're on God's mission, your life thrives. People who fail to thrive have lost me and hope because their life is all about them. It is not about Jesus. And your life is to be all about Christ. Redemption starts with Christ. You have this failure to thrive, and it's not this mental illness. It's the absence of vitality. The Greeks called this acedia. It's a state of restlessness that leads to inability to perform life's functions. Uh, Arcedia was originally a problem that they found in monks or aesthetics who lived up on the hills and had no connection with other people because we were meant to do life together. Henry David Thoreau once wrote that his biggest fear was, when I came to die, I would discover that I had not lived. We are called to be a people who live in the life of Christ and live with each other. Thriving, thriving. Thrivings come when your dreams die. Gordon McKenzie, he's a writer and artist. He does a study of children. He goes into a kindergarten class and he asks everybody, who here is an artist? All the kindergartner goes, me. Every hand goes up, me. I'm the artist. Right here. Wait, don't look. I'm the artist. So he goes into the third grade class and he says, who here is an artist? About half the hands go up goes into a junior high class. He said, who here is an artist? About five to six hands go up. goes into a high school class. He said, who's an artist? About two hands go up. It seems that over time we give up who we felt we were called to be. We give up on growth. We fail to thrive. But God created you and I to be a people who come to life when we seek and follow his vision for our lives. And then I think that there's the you that you were meant to be. Open to Ezekiel chapter 37. At one point, Ezekiel, uh, God shows Ezekiel a valley of dry bones. We actually, for the series on Made, we, because it's Halloween, we thought we'd get a couple skeletons and, and hang them up. But then we thought everybody would get the total wrong idea. They'd be like, oh, it's like Halloween. We're like, no, Made. And then we thought, well, what if we took some pieces off the skeletons, like arms and legs, and stuck like a drill in there, like you're putting them together. And then it would be like saw. And it just... <laughs> so no matter what we wanted to do, it just, it just wouldn't turn out right. So, ta-da, this is what you get. 
Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. He says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and saw, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answers it. I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. And I love that because God alone does know. Verse 4, Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Awesome. It's amazing. This is what God does for people when they follow him. He takes our old dried out lives and he puts skin and bones on us and sends us into new life. I know a marriage that was all but lost, but God gets a hold of them. He renews them, puts flesh on those bones and that marriage becomes full of life. I know a young lady who saw herself as useless. She's attempted suicide, gave herself to every guy that come along. Jesus gets a hold of her, changes her, gives her bones new life. I know a man who almost lost his family due to his own sin. And Jesus comes in, grabs him, changes him, makes him new. New bones. God has a you that you are supposed to be. And your flourishing will never happen when it's all about you. God creates you to flourish in His Spirit, His redemptive work, so you can then be part of that redemptive work with Him. And it can be work. But we thrive in that work. And with God, the next step we take is always possible. Always possible. I believe all these steps in our lives take place only when we are empowered by God's Spirit. Because I think God changes into people who long to be who He truly wants us to be. I believe that is an echo of God longing to redeem all of creation. Rabbis would call this takan olam. It meant to fix the world. Our redemption is found in the culmination of Christ. Him coming, living, dying, rising from the dead. That is where it starts. It centers around Christ. And He imparts it to us. And then that must extend beyond us to everybody we come into contact with. And the more that we simply get concerned with our own fulfillment, the less fulfilled we will be because our lives are to be about Him and not ourselves. We are like a grain of wheat, and when our lives are laid fully at God's feet, He plants us in rich soil with a huge harvest that can impact the entire world around us because it is something that He is doing. In Ephesians 2.10, where it says we are God's workmanship, the word for workmanship is the word poema, or poem, or artistry, or music. We are supposed to be God's song and dance to the world, and I do not want you guys to miss the dance. And so we're going to take 10 weeks and we're going to talk about how God made us and who He made you and I to be. And I hope and I pray that this week you don't get all hung up on everything in the past and where you were stuck at, but you look toward the future and who God calls you to be. And you walk with Him into those new places, those next steps that are always possible. Always walking forward with Him. I, I, I want you guys th- this week to love your spouses, to care for your kids, to love friends around you to glorify God and live his work in your life the way he intends for you to be and live and your flourishing in the end will not be measured by your ability to follow rules it'll be measured by how you glorify God and how you love others in your life and eternity nothing offered in love is ever lost and what matters is not what you accomplish it matters what God does through you and who you become Revelation 22.17 says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come. That is the best invitation I've ever heard in my life because you are all invited to stop failing to thrive 
and start living the life God calls you to live because it can be an amazing life, better than you could ever dream because it is about Him and not about us. This is one of the reasons every week we invite you guys to communion because communion is the place that we realize that God has come and redeemed us to put new flesh on our bones, to give us new life. You take that cracker and you break it like Christ's body is broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grapes just representing His blood that was shed for you and I. And so that we worship God in this moment understanding that He has given us redemption. He has given us grace. And that is then supposed to extend beyond us. The band's going to come up. They will do a couple songs. As they do these songs, I ask you guys to take a couple moments and ask God, where am I failing to thrive? Where has my life become about me? Where am I floundering because it's become all about me? Then you ask Him to show you how to live and walk in that new life, that grace and that goodness that He longs to extend to you. There'll be deacons and elders in the back. And if you feel like you're just floundering and you want someone to pray with you about that, go and pray with them. If you feel weird about going to the back of the hallway after we're done, they'll be hanging out up front. You can just grab one, sit down, talk to them for a little bit, and have them pray for you. We worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the side wall and in the back, and we give because God gave so much to us. Giving is part of our flourishing. We also worship God by serving you guys some food where you get to meet some other people. I mean, this is part of flourishing in life, getting to know some other people. I talked to somebody last week who said they came, and they felt very welcomed by you guys. But there's two other people I talked to in the last two weeks that said they went back to the back like I always talk to people to go get some food and hang out, and they said nobody talked to them. They felt totally alone. This should not be. God is a God who has welcomed you and I into his family with all of our garbage. He has taken and redeemed us. We should be the most welcoming people on the planet. We should be. If you see anybody like standing in the corner, go be like, hey, what's going on in the corner? You know, pull them out of there, talk to them. Don't be like, leave me alone. No. <laughs> God wants me to be so much more. I'm going to talk to you because you're crazy. You know? God has the person He intends for you to be. You need to surrender your life to Him and become that person. And it, it is a journey, it never stops. It's not like, oh, tomorrow you wake up and that's who you're supposed to be. It's a journey, it's a process. But God walks with you every day through that. And He's not going to get rid of you. He is going to redeem you. Why don't you guys pray with me? Part of this morning, I do ask that we would understand better the redemption that you place in our lives. And that even talking about how you made us and, and looking at ourselves a lot, that, that our eyes wouldn't become myopic and just look at ourselves. But we would understand that you are the one who has created us, that you are the one who has changed us, you are the one who has redeemed us, you are the one who has made us new. All because you are good. Have a, our focus be where it is supposed to be. God, I ask for those of us in this room who look at ourselves and just hate the way that we're made and we just wish we could be different, that, that you would change our hearts in such a way that we'd be excited about the possibilities that you actually thought us up a certain way the way that we are Father for those of us in this room who you know are halfway okay with who we are I ask that you would not let pride boil up in our lives but that you would keep us a humble people. 
knowing that anything we have that is good comes from you, from your hand. And we ask then that you would teach us to live and walk as those people who have been given such grace and freedom from your hand. Thank you for being our great God who saves us when we are so undeserving and creating us into a people that you call your own who receive grace and life and hope. Have us extend that beyond ourselves. Amen.